Hello, and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Basca, and today I'm speaking with David Worthen Brooks, the head of 20th Digital Studio, a subsidiary of Disney that specializes in social justice and horror in their bite-sized Halloween section. I am delighted to present to you this conversation that goes everywhere from the Charlottesville riots to Mars candy bars. I'm delighted to be talking to you here at South by Southwest on the lovely rooftop of the Westin. I would love to hear from you a little bit about what your mission is at 20th Digital Studio in terms of the incredible slate of things that you're working with. Errol, it's so good to meet you. And uh, we love this uh, location. Beautiful view, early Sunday morning of Austin, which is maybe a good place to think about what we're doing. We are a small, nimble operation inside of a, a much larger company. We make digital feature films, comedies, sci-fi, horror, and uh, we've also made documentary series and a lot of short form content and uh, uh, branded content. We were really set up uh, with the mission of um, opportunistically meeting all of the emergent digital platforms. Uh, that was 15 years ago. In the, these 15 years, we've produced for Netflix and for Yahoo and for Xbox Live and um, for the um, mass of uh, platforms that launched with great fanfare and $50 million to spend in their first year and with another 100 coming the second year. And in 2019, we moved over to, uh, we moved from being Fox Digital Studio to uh, 20th Digital Studio uh, as uh, uh, you know, a large number of the assets of uh, Fox were acquired by Disney. We're now a, a Disney uh, company. We have pursued an agenda of, um, I, I think, originally digital in our uh, title meant we were, um, it was a signal to the unions that we were operating under the digital side letters, mm -hmm. which meant that we were um, in a, a certain budget category. A different budget category, a different union contract, a different, yeah. all of that. Yeah, so so that was, that was the, uh, that's the reason uh, why uh, originally we had that in our name. I mean, I think that, uh, so, uh, in 2011, uh, House of Cards came out. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the, uh, the entire perspective on what having something on the web shifted. Now, we, we, we don't gain any advantage in uh, operating under a streaming contract. But our economics uh, are still tight. And so in order to tackle that, in 2008, 2009, as we were uh, you know, really focusing on what, what it would be to... Um, uh, be producing for the digital platforms, we created a talent scouting pipeline, which continues to um, be a sort of a, a core part of our business. We go to film festivals, we look at what's on, um, you know, Vimeo Pick of the Week, we uh, talk to uh, managers. And this is, uh, as I was saying before, uh, Arby Pedrosian, uh, who's the VP of development, uh, you know, spearheads that side of uh, the operation and just is uh, constantly on the look for emergent, distinct voices who, by virtue of where they are in their career, are actually going to be excited at, by the general dimensions, economic and otherwise, of, um, of the projects we have uh, in development. In around about 2017, we were still at Fox, but we began to have a feeling that we needed to be more representative mm -hmm. 
um, because of, I, I think it was a sort of a reaction to the uh, political climate and the, uh, the events. It, was, it seems like you were maybe a little ahead of the curve because most everybody else took their direction from the events of 2020 into becoming more representative and broadening diversity and so forth. And so I feel like you as a company have been a little ahead of the curve in a lot of those respects. I, maybe, maybe so. I mean, I, I think that um, uh, I was, oh, I, I can tell you that I was really shocked in July of 2017 by what went on in uh, yeah, Charlottesville, Charlottesville. Virginia. I, I'm from Williamsburg, Virginia, which is very similar to Charlottesville. And so the events that happened there shocked me so much in terms of looking at the international stage and how all of a sudden all of this attention was lightning focused on the racism that to me has felt like a flashpoint in the way that people live in the South. Mm-hmm. In, in a lot of ways. And it's interesting being in Texas, too, at this moment and having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it shocked me. I come to the South quite a lot. Um, uh, my wife is from here. And so I have uh, this sort of ongoing exposure to um, both sides of the discourse. And I think what happened for me in 2017 is I, I went, okay, well, what are we doing? And I looked at the fact that we had actually helped um, move forward a lot of young careers, you know, given first and second projects to writers and directors and, uh, and actors, you know, that, that's what, uh, probably unconsciously grown into uh, this sort of uh, development machine. Well, it was by necessity because who's going to get excited about a budget of $100,000 to make, you know, uh, uh, 20 minutes of content? Not, a, a, you know, a, a seasoned pro, someone who's breaking in and then, you know, it, it felt to us to, like, identify, um, uh, you know, who would be the perfect match for that, um, you know, who we responsibly invest in and or take our money to. And, you know, the channels through which we were um, sourcing all, all of this talent, uh, it began to uh, be clear to me, were, uh, you know, had a, a, an ingrained um, sort of predisposition to, you know, continually give us the same kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a moment of, as the acquisition loomed, and I uh, was seeing that we were going to go, uh, uh, you know, uh, in, into a new phase. Uh, I had to, um, you know, assess what we had uh, previously achieved and, uh, you know, uh, con- uh, condense it down into a business plan. And it was at that point uh, the talent identification and acceleration component of uh, our operation uh, struck me as being very limited in its um, in its focus to um, we were uh, recruiting, basically. So then we became very kind of conscious um, or very um, deliberate in, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, seeking out a broader range of, of creatives. And, yeah, that's, I think that that's what led us. Um, all of these things that have uh, not really been um, ideologically driven, um, uh, I think they've been driven by sort of the necessity of the moment. Because the moment keeps changing. It does. It it changes very dramatically. But it's also interesting to me to hear you talk about that. And and about 2017 is this flashpoint for your company. I look at what happened in 2020 when all of a sudden you saw a lot of studios suddenly trying to diversify the field and not knowing where to begin and not knowing how to navigate these waters and how to really appeal to a market that is drastically different from what it was pre-pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible how much has changed yeah. and how quickly 
has been changing. And trying to meet that need, I would imagine, is something that is still very challenging in terms of figuring out how to navigate you know, this digital territory at this moment. What has been, has there been a driving thought that has steered you through this? I think that uh, it's much more pragmatic uh, and a lot less um, idealistic. We partnered with this uh, great creative uh, uh, at Fox, or came out of Fox, Tony Seller, who was uh, the head of marketing for the feature division for uh, 20 years. And then he went on to for another incarnation and had basically an internal um, creative agency in, in, inside of the network. And he had this idea of, well, the network and all broadcast um, uh, was facing this challenge of being just a, a rubbish experience compared to a streamer. So, you know, if, if you want to be entertained for 40 minutes on that, uh, on network TV, you have to pay the toll of 20 minutes of commercials, right? Yeah. Um, and whereas uh, you, you log into Netflix and you just go to what you want to see, when you want to see it, and or Amazon or any of the streamers, you know. So Tony was uh, trying to solve uh, or was solving uh, uh, those kind of problems and came up with this idea of uh, entertaining them while they're being entertained. So uh, take a, uh, a an ad break, two-minute ad break, and turn it into a short film. Um, and so then we uh, responded to that brief and did a, a, a huge sort of talent drive, I guess, at the beginning of 2017, uh, which comprised the first bite-sized horror mm-hmm. um, uh, season, which, you know, uh, was phenomenally successful. Uh, when we came to the end of it, I looked at uh, the, the content that we produced. I realized that we had something really great because we had the, uh, we had a, a collection of really tight short films. They were two minute, a minute fifty five, and they played at. They got awards from uh, the advertising industry um, on the one hand, and then they played at film festivals on the other because they were sponsored content, but they didn't have the product inside of them, and so. Um, you know, but then to, to hit that format, it was sort of incredible luck to be working with Tony. It was incredible luck to, um, you know, have a, um, uh, a client in Mars Candy who, uh, an advertiser in Mars Candy who was willing to just go at the front and the end of it and not put that product inside of it. And that formed the basis of um, this thought that then continued with, oh, okay, in two minutes, I've just understood what the monster is and what the world is going to be. Yeah. So isn't that just a pitch tape for what the feature is? Um, and let's now hear back from these creators and hear what their t- take on the feature version of their short would be. And the first one that uh, landed was um, Rob Savage's Salt yeah. uh, that he made for us. Uh, then we set that up at uh, WME with, um, well, it's now called Fifth Season, I believe, um, with a feature deal there, which then led us to think, led me to think, oh, we put together a slate for Hulu. I hope that in describing this, I'm, I'm conveying the fact that these were just uh, step-by-step business solutions um, mm-hmm. that were, you know, probably midterm. You know, they were sort of had three-year horizon, but they weren't part of a master plan. Uh, they were in character of how we were set up, which is to nimbly, um, you know, piecemeal and patchwork navigating yeah, your way through see, it. See what was uh, what opportunities were available, uh, you know, and go for them. So then we have a uh, scouting to short film to feature film um, uh, pipeline that, uh, oh, and that it is horror means that it doesn't need to be star driven. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, it's concept driven. Then uh, by calibrating the budget level, 
which, you know, for a short, uh, we pay $35,000 uh, to the filmmaker and for, uh, the features are about, you know, a million and a half uh, to $2 million uh, features. Um, and those are all numbers that are palatable, you know, take a risk on a first-time director. Yeah. I don't think there's truly uh, in the shorts that, that we've ever engaged somebody who's not already made a bunch of shorts and mm -hmm. music videos and commercials or whatever, you know. Yeah. But... Um, uh, the, uh, you know, it, it's sort of a demarcation of, okay, now I'm on this journey to um, uh, set up a, a larger narrative by doing this bite-sized uh, Halloween short, I can now get into, um, you know, the sort of uh, the, the pipeline that could take me to uh, making a feature. We saw, in 2019, we sold nine um, features to Hulu, uh, basically nine puts to, uh, it was a replacement of the uh, Jason Blum or the Blumhouse uh, uh, series. Welcome to Blumhouse. Uh, it was called it, uh, Into the Dark. Oh, that's right. Into yeah, yeah. the Dark. Yeah. And, and it was, and Into the Dark was, was kind of an interesting event because a lot of people were really embracing that kind of content at that time and very specifically hungry for other kinds of creators, other kinds of pipelines. And, yeah. so, and so, yeah, we, um, we sold it with nine basic examples and each one uh each one of these uh, uh scripts or concepts had you know some type of social issue that uh you know sort of uh, was a uh, organizing concept at the middle of uh, the, uh you know of, of the execution um, which was really taking a lead from both uh, blam and monkey poor i mean who, who uh, you know i think uh, we aspire to be in the same space as uh yeah. Yeah, we've uh, put the, the uh, DNI um, you know, component mm -hmm. across the scouting for uh, bite size uh, series. We've also put it across our um, operation, you know, in, in terms of um, who the staff is, in order to. Um, I, I think, uh, I mean, Jennifer Bell has um, talked a lot about um, how you can't really make these creative decisions without the staff being also. And it's so wonderful to have both in front of and behind the camera the same kinds of teams putting together the work that really support all aspects of it. I want to be respectful of your time, but I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to sit down and have a chat with you about your process. This is really wonderful. Thank you so much, Ariel. Have a great side by side first. Oh. So nice to meet you. So nice to meet you as well. Yeah. Take care. Thank you for listening, and thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of land stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land and I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on support the show in the show notes, 
We don't want your money. We want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at Omnibus Ride. You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com, where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch. Mm-hmm.